Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. Jesus, man, could you change the channel? Fuck you, man. If you don't like my fucking music, get your own fucking cab. I had a really rough... I'll pull up to the side and kick your ass out. Man, come on. I had a rough night, and I hate the fucking Eagles, man. Hi, this is Tommy from Greenleaf, and you're listening to Jay Scott and the Hook Rock Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy. It's in the middle of spring. We are, well, this is when this is being recorded. We are a day before the NHL trade deadline. So if I have to break in the current episode with any breaking trade news, I certainly will. If it's a major deal, I will do it. But I think I may have to take the first part of the day off tomorrow at my real life job because I want to know who's getting traded, what the Blackhawks are doing. So it's an exciting time. It should be a national holiday um, here in the States, the uh, NHL trade line, trade deadline day. But that's keeping me preoccupied as long or as well as listening to music. There's some great new albums that were released over the weekend here on April 9th. Through today, you have The End Machine featuring George Lynch, Jeff Pilsen, and Robert Mason with Mick Brown's brother, Steve. And we also have The New Cheap Trick, which I'm really high on. I love that album. And also a band from the UK called The Treatment. So check those three out. Those are my recommendations. we got the big one coming this Friday. Greta Van Fleet's long-anticipated album is here. And I know my 16-year-old son is pretty stoked about it, so I am as well. Looking forward to getting my second dose of the vaccination, and uh, hopefully then uh, things can start to getting back to normal. Things are getting back to normal, although I do think we are kind of jumping the gun here a bit and doing things a little too soon. I hope we hopefully we don't go backwards. I hope we keep moving forward. That's the name of the game. So we can go to some live shows eventually, some concerts. We we've been missing that, but. Like to welcome in our next guests, plural form, and it's uh, it's three ladies who I've been wanting to have on the podcast for several months now. Big fan of their show. They do a great job of talking about music topics and inner 
intertwining their personal experience and kind of where they were at when they're talking about 90s grunge or high school music or wherever they whatever they were doing and kind of gives that perspective where you can relive it again through the eyes of Jillian, Kia, and Leslie. We welcome in the Chicks Who Love Music podcast. What's going on, ladies? How are you? Hi. Hi, Jay. <laughs> Thanks for having us. I am so happy you guys are doing this. Thank you very much. Um, like I said, big fan of the show and glad to have you guys aboard the Hook Rocks. So thank you again. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah, we're, we're stoked. I always thought that only NFL freakers wanted that day off after the Super Bowl or on those big trade days off as a national holiday. I didn't know it was such a big deal in NHL. I'll have to dive into that. Well, you know, it is Chicago. Sure. It is the Midwest. You know, hockey's pretty big out here. I know it's big out in California because you got the Kings and the Ducks and you got the Sharks up north, but I never really viewed California as like a hockey town you know um i mean they have dedicated fans just like every franchise but you know football for me i don't know i never really been big into football i mean basically football to me is four seconds for a play then they sit in a circle and talk about what they're going to do next and then when they do something (laughs) they pat each other on the ass you know right but the asses look good which is important to me (laughs) well yeah i mean i can't really speak to that but um but yeah, it's uh, it's um, you know I, I do like watching the Super Bowl. I like college football, but hockey's really my number one sport. So nice. So like um, so we always start the same show every time mm-hmm. we have first time guests, and I know there's three of you. So um, I expect a great conversation about music today. But we first want to dive into what we always ask every time someone's a first-time guest on the show, and that is just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, or performance, or an album, that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you? Who wants to go first? You can go first. You want me to go? Yeah. All right, I'm going to expand it a little bit, Jay, which is to say, besides the music... Um, it was the visuals. I was really going over this idea in my head because when I was younger, um, obviously it was like ACDC. It was like Rush moving pictures. It was, um, you know, Aerosmith, Dream On. There were all kinds of like bands and songs that got me. And you would put on those headphones and my parents had these giant speakers in the basement and I would just lay between the speakers and just crank it as loud as possible. Probably sing out loud really badly. But I was trying to think what's the thing that really hooked me. I think it was Prince and I think it was Purple Rain. And I think it was a mix between the visuals of him. I don't want to do the guitar, but like, (laughs) (laughs) and his outfits and the purple and the music and the whole thing is probably and I know people don't always think of Prince as a guitarist, but oh my god, phenomenal oh, guitar player! About? He's a phenomenal, yeah, yeah phenomenal. Absolutely. I mean, but they don't always throw him in when you're like guitarist. It's like Jimmy, you know, Hendrix or Jimmy Page or Steve Vai or whoever. You don't. They don't always say Prince, but really, his his sound was so, um, it's so original to him. I would say, and 
just watching him in that movie. Oh my God. That was it for me. <laughs> that was it. I was hooked on it. <laughs> what about, uh, what about everybody else? Um, I'll go next. Um, I was trying to think of like, try to pinpoint it because I knew that this was going to be asked. And all I can think of is my parents had a Beatles album. They had, um, meet the Beatles. I think it was called. I mean, I've, I've seen it called something else. So I I feel like the album they had was called meet the Beatles with the four pictures of them and it's black background and they have black turtlenecks on. Mm. And I used to play it on my record player and I put the album cover on my head and just sit there and listen to it. And my dad had an acoustic guitar and I would like strum the guitar, but the pick inevitably would go inside the hole and I would just be shaking the guitar trying to get it out. But I, I think it's the Beatles for me. I know that, you know, I, I mean, I was born in the sixties, but not too deep into the sixties, but it was the Beatles. Nice. Definitely. My dad was a huge influence on my music, but I think what really hooked me didn't come until, well, I have an older sister too. She's four years older. So she made me listen to a ton of new wave and dust. You know, she was listening to shit that I was, we lived in the woods too in Washington state. So everyone was listening to country, but my sister would come home with abstract stuff that I thought was so crazy. Like Adam Ant when I was a kid and all kinds of stuff. But what hooked me was junior high. I was in love with the cure and then my neighbor was all Metallica all the time. And I would secretly like swap, like, give me that record. And I'd pump ride the lightning, not tell anyone I was totally into it. And then I'd go home and be like, oh, is everyone listening to The Forest right now? Because The Cure is like everything. So I was like living a bipolar music life. <laughs> and then I just kind of dove in, just dove in after that. The thing was <laughs> that, you know, when we were younger, how how the image was so important to the music and how... You know the you know, the artistry was important. The music was important, but you know you mentioned Prince and you know you mentioned even the Cure. You know who had that you know the, their specific image too as well, and it just felt like it was almost equally important as the music of what they looked like and and how they looked larger than life when they were on the TV screen or when you saw them in concert. And I almost feel like now that's missing. Right. It's kind of like, because yeah. you know, maybe because you, you get your music digitally now, so you don't have the album where you can, you know, view the artwork and view the album cover and read the liner notes. And, you know, the whole physical copy is more of an afterthought now. I, I think that right. really is, is driving, I don't want to say people away from rock music, but it's, it's certainly not bringing people in like it used to. Yeah, right. on your show when you were talking, I think it was the Ricky Rackman, um, you were talking about Headbangers Ball and like waiting all week to see it and then sort of like a lot of that imagery was sort of new for some of us and the fact that you can just look anything up right now, it's like, oh, who's that? But we would have to wait. We would have to wait for the magazines. We would have to wait for the video. We would have to, and even watching the videos within whatever block, you're like, oh my God, I hope they play that Skid Row song, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was not just the song that you loved or the album or the music, but it was like watching the visuals of these guys, you know, or ladies, Mm -hmm. depending, Um, which I kind of missed that. I mean, that was, that was part of it for sure. Yeah. Well, it certainly built up the anticipation, right? I mean, you know, now, mm-hmm. like you said, you can look up something specific. 
and you can only yeah. do that. Whereas when you watched MTV, you know, I was a rock and roll kid. So I had mm-hmm. to sit through the crap of Culture Club and, you know, whatever <laughs> bands to get to the Motley Crue video or to get to the <laughs> Ozzy video. And, you know, then you'd have to sit through three more videos of crap or, or however many videos of crap that you had to <laughs> until you saw something. But it created that anticipation. It created the, the need for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am of the opinion that um, it all does kind of go together. You know, it's like I do like the sort of rock star moments and I know some of the bands, I'm going to try not to be a curmudgeon because you're always talking about new bands, new bands. And there are some that I like, but I always feel like, well, so-and-so did it and they did it better. So not better, but first, I guess you would say. So, you know, when you saw some of the bands for the very first time, holy crap. And I just wonder in this day and age, can you do anything new? I don't know. Has it all been done? No, I think you can still do new. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, Greta Van Fleet's coming out with a new album. When I first heard them, I didn't know who they were. I hadn't seen a visual. I didn't know what was going on. And I said to Casey, this is like a Led Zeppelin song that I've never heard before. What the fuck is this? And he was like, oh, it's Greta Van You know, so that was new to me. Someone mm-hmm. else coming out with this kind of new sound. But it was definitely, I feel like they are a tribute to the old sound. But they're mm-hmm. bringing a new twist. I don't know if they're like, to me, rock star hot. But maybe some of the kids love them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, having a teenage son in my house, I first and foremost see what he's listening to. And he likes the classics, the stuff that I listen to, you know, predominantly because I listen to it. I played it in the car, but I also like the new stuff. And he turns me on to a lot of stuff, too, as well. And that's an interesting question is, can something new come out of rock and roll? Can, Can... you know, can it be different? Um, I, I think it can, but I think it depends on how they approach it. You know, I, I hear all this mm-hmm. stuff about we, and I'm sure you guys have heard it too. Rock is dead. Rock is dead. And I, and I do not mm-hmm. believe that. I don't think anybody believes that it's dead. I do think though, when people say that, they talk about a time when rock and roll ruled over everything you know the 70s mm-hmm, and then the mm-hmm. 80s and then into the 90s too i mean you yeah. always had pop music and then you also you know in the mid 80s and the, well i should say the early 80s you kind of had the emergence of hip-hop and rap music mm-hmm. and you know for whatever reason rock kind of went away after the turn of the century you know where yeah. there was a lot of cookie cutter bands around that time um i kind of we talked about you know, sports, you know, prior to this conversation, I kind of look at rock and roll having a bad draft for like 10 years, Mm. you know, where they were just putting out (laughs) stuff that was good, but it was uninspiring. Right. I mean, I mean, Mm. you know, you had Queens of the Stone Age and you had a couple other bands too, as well, that really did some really cool things. But for the most part, it seemed like it was overproduced and it was, Mm -hmm. you know, I was listening to a great conversation to kind of really get off topic, but I'll, and I'll circle back with it. But Todd Kearns, who's a bass player for Slash's band, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he does a podcast, and he interviewed Mark Slaughter on his show. And it was a great conversation because it talked about the production, about yeah. how when years ago when you record an album, you could hear the room, right? When the drums played, yeah. when Bonham played and all that stuff, you could hear where they were recording. You could hear the air in the room. And I think mm-hmm. for a while, rock and roll, rock music, 
was overproduced. It was overcompressed, and you couldn't hear the room. You, you it was it was so you know it was so produced. And I think you know for people like myself who like that bluesy air, you know, air under the notes, air between the notes, air in the room. Yeah, it, it was really missing something. So. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of come back to the original question that we were talking about, where can anything is anything new possible? I think it is, but I also think we we live in a time where people are trying to redefine rock and roll instead of celebrating what what makes rock and roll great. Mm. I think a lot of effects and a lot of processing now they're trying to reinvent it that way. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right on that. You know, I, there, there is a lot of sampling. There's a lot of, you know, tracks being used and Pro Tools. And yeah, I guess you can dance it up and dress it up and make it sound like rock music. But you know, you can't duplicate that stuff live, and that's why people use tracks. They what's either doing all that stuff. So, mm. so is that is that what people are talking about about doing something new? Because if that's what they want, you know, I'm not interested. Right. Yeah. It's funny because we did one episode on record stores and I worked in a record store in the eighties and Kia worked in one as well. And I remember distinctively the time when they were like, we were a record store and then we had Mm -hmm. to stay late and we were going to change the entire store over for CDs. So our entire store became CDs and then the record section was really small. And I remember even then feeling angry because I love the sound of a record and how like when the needle hits the record or it's a little bit scratchy or whatever, that Mm -hmm. sort of like organic sound as opposed to a CD was so perfect. And, you know, it it was a little, I don't know what the word would be, but maybe what you're talking about, like with not having the the air in the room, it was like tinny almost to me. Um, And now, you know, and tapes, you would play your tape until it was sort of warped and and whatever. So I've always sort of liked the thing that was before, but um, I'm open to the new stuff for sure. Leslie, Mm -hmm. what did you send? You sent us um, St. Vincent? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Have you seen that, Jay? Anything from St. Vincent? I have not heard that, no. Specifically, her performance on Saturday Night Live from... Was it last week or was it this past weekend? Must I'm not sure. Week. But mm-hmm. she's yeah. not, I wouldn't call her rock and roll exactly, but it has the vibe of a rock and roll performance for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little more pop and a little retro. I think you might like it. She wailed on that guitar though too. So it was, oh, yeah. yeah, I guess yeah. there is that. stuff that we haven't heard that I think she can be. Mm-hmm. She can be that. Yeah. Rad style. She looks cool. I mean, yeah. even if even if it's poppy, if it's if it's you know be, if it's playing the instrument right and staying true right. to the instrument, I, I will listen. You know, I mean, um, yeah. you know, some of the stuff that I do listen to does kind of have a pop feel to it, like Butch Walker. Um, you know, his solo stuff, you know, has some mm-hmm. pop elements to it, which I love. I mean, he does. He produces everybody from Pink to. Gosh, I mean, everybody under the sun, he's pretty much done. But he used to be in a band called Marvelous Three, and then he was in a band in the in the early 90s called South Gang. And he's a big-time mm. producer now. But, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, you know, interests me. I just want to hear the instrument played. I want to hear someone who's good at their craft and not have to rely on production to mm-hmm. sell the song and, and sell the music. And I think that's really where mm-hmm. a lot of bands went 
where they relied on overproducing things to make them sound good. But to me, it it it, it kind of it tastes it's kind of like tasting plastic, right? I mean, it, it's like you're not giving me the organic, really real thing, you know. And I don't know if anyone's ever che- you know chewed on plastic. I hope you haven't. But you know, in the event that you accidentally have, like I did. You know, once or twice in my life, you'll get, you know, what I'm saying, where it kind of doesn't taste very good. It doesn't taste like the real thing. I'm still obsessed with Jack White from the White Stripes because I do think he evolved from doing the two people in the basement on his A-track or however he recorded the Real to Real. Then they came out with their first album. Then he's evolved. I feel like his sound is still kind of that genuine, you want to play it on the record. He still sounds like he's sitting recording it himself in a weird space. Yeah, and I think he's still bringing new stuff to rock. I think he's a very talented guitar player, obviously, but I think what he's bringing to this era of rock and roll, I think, is important. He's, mm-hmm. I'm into it. But I also like that the kids, that's cool, Jay, that your son is into, like, our era, because when I was young, obviously, like, Led Zeppelin, like you were saying, Leslie, the Beatles, um, most of the Stones, uh Jimi Hendrix, Joplin, any of that stuff was technically before my time, but I was aware of it all and it influenced my my likes of then what was my era, which ended up becoming like the Guns N' Roses and the Skid Rose and the Motley Crues. Like there's something about bringing the past into whatever and once in a while you'll hear a kid who doesn't know who something is and you think, how do you not know that? Like, isn't it just in the ethos, <laughs> like, you know, Zeppelin mm-hmm. or whatever? But um, that's great that your kid is involved with both. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the first time he ever was exposed to, to music, he, he got in my car and he was out with his mother and he starts singing Poker Face by Lady Gaga. <laughs> Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm like, what are you singing? And he's like, Poker Face by Lady Gaga. And I just said to myself at that moment, I'm like, yeah, that's got to change. That has to change. <laughs> this is a pivotal moment. This is a pivotal moment in his life. And I must do the right thing by his father and make sure that I lead him down the right path of music. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when the Strokes won the Grammy a couple weeks ago, and, you know, first of all, who cares about the Grammys? But they won the Grammy for Best Rock Performance. And a member of the band stated that rock doesn't need blues rock anymore. Blues rock is tired and blues rock is boring. And, you know, I, I, have, I have a big issue with that because as we talked about, you know, can something new be done and we're still, we're still, you know, we're talking about that. But when you when you think about saying blues rock is boring, every decade from the '60s has had blues rock. Yeah. Even during the '90s, yeah, when it was very grungy yeah. and stuff, there was still blues rock. And you know, again, I get back to that point that I made that it seems like like the elites, like the Grammys or the Rolling Stones or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whoever are trying to redefine what rock and roll is. And, mm. you know... Th- but you don't have rock and roll without blues. Like, isn't that the exactly. origin of it in the first place? Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's, that's my point. Is like, how do you say rock blues rock is boring when the only reason why you're taking that award is because of everything that came before you 
and the existence of blues and blues infused into rock music. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. Mm-hmm. And specifically, that's a, like an American sort of gift. Like if you think of like all the things that started, you know, in in blues and then did become rock and roll later. Um, like, like British Invasion too was well, like yeah, based they, on blues because of absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and they were sort of listening to what we were doing and then mm-hmm. took their own spin on it. So, mm-hmm. you're yeah. welcome, the world. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I do agree that, yes, blues is an American gift. Um, but as as we just said, the British are mm-hmm. what made rock and roll in blues. I, I, think without, right. I think without the Zeppelins and without the Sabbaths and without the Stones, oh, yeah. I, don't know mm-hmm. if, I don't know if rock and roll ever sounds like it does and influence right. so many people. Um, but I just think that, that, you know, how rock and roll has to evolve. I mean, Eddie Van Halen, Van Halen was never considered a blues rock band. But you know it it's off it's an offshoot of the blues just as queen really wasn't a blues rock mm-hmm. band but it's an offshoot of the mm-hmm. blues it all comes from from the blues and even the strokes who you know we go back to the image when i look at the strokes i look at four guys that just left a barbecue instead of four guys that are going to get up on stage you know um, <laughs> and that's important too as well but i just think that yes i think newness can happen and new things can happen in rock even if it uses the old influences i just Mm -hmm. think instead of comparing everything to what came before accept it for what it is something new something a different take on something right well i i would like to say like we started our podcast during covid and a lot of the reason was because we felt um we, as a, as friends, we always were going to concerts. That was one of our, you know, things that we did together and not being able to do that. What's the next best thing is talk about it and, you know, ha- reminisce and talk about the things that were important. We would do it on set when we were together or whatnot, but we saw a show a few years ago. I think it was 2016. Leslie, was it the cat house live? Was that 2015, I think. 2015. And so they had all of the bands that would have been, you know, during the time of the Cat House, um, Ricky Rackman. It was Dawkin, and it was Stephen Piercy's Rat, and it was Sebastian, and it was um, Faster Pussycat, Junkyard, Bullet Boys, LA Guns, right? Am I, who am I missing, Wes? No, I think you got it. They were also side stages, so there were a lot of people there. And the coolest part was the audience. I was looking around and it was like, there were people older than us that were like, clearly like, you know, from, I would say like Led Zeppelin contemporary type of people, like maybe my parents. And then there was our group who grew up with all these bands. And then there was like kids in front of us that were like, probably like your son's age. And it was like, so cool because it was like an old school rock festival that was like sweaty and it was outdoors and you could go from one stage to the other stage. And I was like, I miss this so much, you know, I mean, I'm surely missing it during COVID, but like, Mm -hmm. even in the world, it, it was been a long time since you got to go to like a festival, like monsters of rock or Lollapalooza or anything like that. So I think it's cool that all the generations are still interested so I would definitely go on record to say rock is not dead, um, yeah. you yeah. know, at least live. 
Well, that's just it, right? The live, the live performance, the live show is so important. And I think the more younger people who have to connect with any music genre in order for it to be popular, um, I still think the live performance, the live show is what really hooks everyone on rock. I mean, you can hear a great song and you can really love it. You can be interested in it. But when you go see it live, it's a completely different animal because there's the synergy yeah. of the crowd. There's that connection. You mentioned J- uh, Jack White, who mm-hmm. I think it, with the rank of tours is phenomenal. And, you know, the White yeah. Stripes mm-hmm. are phenomenal. I took my son up to Wisconsin to see the rank of tours. And so, first of all, when you walk in, it was at this place called The Rave, which is a really old theater. And... It was in the middle of summer. They didn't have any AC in the building because it's because it's an old building, and you're uh-huh. packed in there like sardines. And then they make you put your phone in a pouch. Okay, oh, yeah, I love so, and, I, and I love it because you are present. You know, everyone's present uh-huh. for the show. And uh-huh. well, they came on, and it was like a plane taking off. I mean, and they didn't stop. For the whole show, I mean, it was just like bam. It was this, and the crowd was into it. Jack White was fired up. Brendan Benson, who's the other singer who I love his solo stuff, you know, was just <laughs> great too as well. And we walked out of the show, and I'm walking with my son. I think he was 14 at the time, and I looked at him. I go, I go, that's how it's done. He's like, what do you mean? I go, that's how a band comes on stage and grabs a hold of the crowd and doesn't let go for an hour and a half. That's what's that's yeah, what yeah, every yeah, band yeah. needs to do. Yeah. <laughs> you have the chills left, yeah. Yeah. yeah were true. you talking about the same thing? Was it at a, a Jack White show where you had to give your phone? Yeah, it was a Jack White show. I love Santa that. Mm-hmm. That's at a the great. Santa Barbara. Yeah, I loved it. This bitch behind us though was just like so not into it, and she kept saying to her boyfriend, "I'm going over to the phone section" because she just couldn't stay off her device. And I was like, <laughs> "You shouldn't be here in the first place." The show is not for you. Right, right. Enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, why are you going to a show if you want to be on your phone? Like, like, enjoy it. You know, and enjoy. We do this. Well, when live shows were happening, I do this periodic series called Tales of the Douche, and basically, (laughs) basically, we discuss idiots in the crowd. At a rock show. Oh, I love it. And oh, we talk about them too. Oh, yeah, we God. didn't have a name for it, but they have giant Les- hats on. Yeah, Leslie and Kia's pet peeve is the yeah. giant hat per- wearing person. Well, there's the <laughs> giant hat. There's the loud talkers. Mm-hmm. You know, people. Mm-hmm. Who, oh yeah. So I, I saw Rival Sons, and mm-hmm. there's a woman uh, FaceTiming her son, holding the phone up to the stage, and and the kid's like oh, twelve, no. and he's FaceTiming, and then there's this woman trying to talk to her babysitter while the show is going on, <laughs> yelling at her husband. I can't hear her. I can't hear her. I'm like, why don't you tell the band to, to keep it down? You know, why don't you tell? Yeah. The I mean, like you're at a rock show for Christ's sakes. Why are you on yeah. the phone, and why do you expect to be able to hear the person you're talking to? You know, it's like. I don't understand yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And then there's the the walking, you know, extracted views that are like so much taller than everybody else. And oh, they have to that guy's yeah. always in front of me, and I'm mm-hmm. not very tall. And no matter where I go, I'll stake my claim in the you know crowd to try to find a spot where I can see. And inevitably, right at the end, that guy slips in in front of me, and I'm always like, why? Or there's yeah. a douche that you get stuck standing next to that clearly is drunk from the parking lot pre-gamer. Oh, I've experienced mm-hmm. that. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, really? Are you going to throw up on me? We haven't even heard a song yet. Yeah. <laughs> Please back up. 
No. I do love a good pregame, though. I got to tell you, a little bit. Yeah, a good a pregame bit. is very important. Yeah. But you know, when you're with, when you're next to somebody, and you're like, oh god, this is going to be a long two hours, and right. you know, they just can't, and the, you know, they can't stand still. They're they're swaying right. back and forth. They're you know, then you get the tall people standing in front of you, and I'm and I'm six two, so. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, when, wow. so when someone's in front of me and I can't see, it's like, dude, can't you just go to the yeah. back? This is not a big place. Yeah. Not a big place. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like a hundred people in here, 200 people. You could see clearly over everybody else go in the back and it's just frustrating. <laughs> and then you get the people on Facebook live, you know, Oh, I hate that. Uh, yeah. Which no one at home gives a shit. No one is going, yeah. oh my God, Johnny's <laughs> at the concert. Let me see what Johnny's seeing. No one does that. No one does that. No one cares where you're at. Nobody cares, you know? And it's 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 like, it's just stop it. But, you know, when getting back to the rank of tours and Jack White, when, when I first experienced mm-hmm. that, given my phone up, I was like, all right, well, this is interesting, but it just mm-hmm. caused a synergy with the crowd that I had not experienced in forever where yeah. everybody was, they weren't distracted. They, yeah. They weren't distracted. They were physically and yeah. mentally present and, mm-hmm. and it made for such a better show because of that whole experience. It totally did. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that a live concert can do is like every kind of person is there, you know, you're all in it together. There's like a real sense of come on camaraderie no matter what's happening in the real world which i guess that's what music is anyways it's just escape from you know what i mean and then you find your peers in it it's funny because leslie kia and i all have very different musical taste but there's like a little middle section where we come together where we're like that's the sweet spot for all of us mm-hmm. but it also makes for great conversations and you know they'll open me up to stuff that i wouldn't necessarily have listened to before or whatever Rarely. Like your pop mix that I made you? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that new pop or is that old school pop? It's new She's pop. trying to get me Ooh. to listen to new pop, new, Jay. New I know. Pop. New pop is frightening. It's frightening. It's tricky. <laughs> it's, it's, tricky. It's not the pop. Like, you know, even my son goes, I would totally listen to pop music that sounded like pop music when you were younger. And I'm like, yeah, because they still played the instruments in pop music. Now it's like, yeah, you know, there's like 30 right. producers, 40 writers. I, I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know how many. I mean, how many people can be a part of one song? You know? Mm, yeah, it's, it's definitely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what's your name? With Harry Styles, though. You guys, you just love Harry Styles. I do. Whose style is I mean, that? He's easy on the eyes. Whose style? Leslie is that? loves Harry Styles. Harry Styles. Harry Styles. I've heard of yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I know, I'm familiar mm-hmm. with his music, but. Um, his solo stuff is great. Was he in a band? Yeah, he was in a, a boy band Ooh. called One Direction. Ooh, okay. Right now I'm having difficulty <laughs> with that. Just here and there. We'll save it for our show, Les. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're getting way off topic here. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. I'm going to send you the pop mix, too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if it's got Duran Duran on it or, you know, stuff like that, I'm I'm totally into it. I'm totally into Duran Duran. One of the greatest live bands I've ever seen, first of all, and Mm -hmm. uh, just put on a great show and a great band and they play their instruments. So, yeah, right. Yeah. And they're good songs. 
They are great yeah. songs. They are. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Simon Le Bon still sounds great. Absolutely sounds wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and what? he was easy on the eyes back in the day. I mean, I think he still is easy on the eyes. There you go. Rockstar. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> I know by all the females at the Duran Duran concert, I, I pretty much think that a lot of people are in agreement with you. Yeah. I feel like he was a, a stud back in the day. Mm-hmm. And the videos were so cool. That's another thing. Like, mm-hmm. bring it back to the visuals. It's like there's a very specific look whether it's Nagel or those girls with the, with the very defined makeup or there was like such a cool looking video that went with those guys too. Well, they had good hair. There were a lot of blazers though. I <laughs> that into the blazer look, but yeah, you know, Jay, we do hair, makeup and wardrobe in the television industry. So I definitely feel like we have a, a thing for the whole package. You know what I mean? Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's important, right? I mean, because, and I've mentioned this before, when we watched the videos or saw the bands on stage, they were larger than life. And it was Mm -hmm. not just because of the music. It was because of the image. It was what they wore. I mean, you think about David Lee Roth on stage or think about Motley Crue or think about, you know, even if it's The Cure, right? And, you know, the way they they were, they had a unique image you know, to themselves and, and, you know, for their fans. And so did Duran Duran. They were all unique. They all had something to say, not just with their music, but with how they looked, you know, they're, they're well, not- and they lived it, you know, because like the, I was in LA at the, in the end of the late, like eighties into the nineties. And I remember going to a Ralph's grocery store and it was like a Sunday morning and I remember Jane's Addiction rolled up and they all just like fell out of this car basically in whatever they had on from the night before. And I was like crying to myself, laughing like these dudes, these rock stars, it's a, you know, it's like the crack of dawn. They've probably not been to sleep at all. And that's just, that's who they were. You know what I mean? They weren't putting on their Sunday best or sweats. They were like rolling up at the Ralphs for whatever they needed in like tight pants and velvet jackets and scarves. And it was pretty great. Well, that's why I mentioned the strokes, right? At the, you know, at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. is I see pictures of the strokes and I say, you know, are they at a barbecue and they're, are they going, Hey, you guys want to go do a show? <laughs> you know, I'm kind of eating this, I'm kind of eating this chicken right. and, and potato salad. And when I'm done, we can go do it, you know? And it's like, there's, there's no, there's no, like, there was like, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, there's like a barrier between the audience right. and the performer. And you want them to be larger than life. Yes, yes. I want them yes. to be something yes. that I don't see every day. I want them to be one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, well, now I think that the kids are like, it's cooler to be not cool. It's cool to just be that. Do you know what I mean? It's cool to just. I'm gonna. This is who I am in the day, and this is who I am at night. They're not trying to put on the makeup that we loved and have the hair down to their ass. And you know what I mean? Like now, I think that vibe that they're giving off is. This is it, which I'm not into. I want to see more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I was saying when I went to that Kings of Leon show. I was like, is this it? <laughs> and I, I do love their music, but I was still like, I'll just listen to the CD next time or the record and wait and skip the live show. That works for Metallica, right? When you were in yeah. jeans and jean jackets and you look like yeah. Cousin It. You know, and yes. and you're and you and that that's unique into itself, right? It's got that mm-hmm. that street vibe, that that toughness, that yeah. grit, that works, right? Because it fits the music. 
when yeah. you know mm-hmm. you've got you like know, a Megadeth too. Yeah, yeah. When you've got khakis and a polo shirt on, that <laughs> I, I, what are you trying to say to me? You know, because and and I know kids. You know, you you make a great point that kids want to see their artists how they are, how they really are. I also right. think too, kids today haven't been able to see that larger than life personality. That, right, and we know. were we were the opposite because do you remember um, like Ozzy when we were growing up? You know, it was like so scary and all the stuff that was around him. And then what was it, you guys? The the um, movie that came out was it? Um, where, oh God, where he's like making eggs in his kitchen and he was wearing like a bathrobe or whatever. It was like you mean his TV show? No, 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 way earlier. It was like a, a doc. It was a Western oh, it was, civilization. Uh, history, decline of Western. Yeah, the, the history of Western, Western civilization. Yeah, the decline of Western. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Part two. So yeah. that to me was the exact opposite. Where you're, we're used to seeing him on stage and and like a badass and like hair done and you know eyeliner, and then to see him at home being British, <laughs> you know, and making eggs and tea. It was like so interesting to me at the time like oh my god Ozzy I mean I I guess they all eat breakfast but (laughs) the whole thing too with Ozzy is remarkable because when I was growing up and I'm sure you guys experienced the same thing like Ozzy was the second coming of the devil right and and I mean there were protests with you know before Ozzy concerts I had to smuggle in Ozzy albums in my house because I came from a very (laughs) you know devout Catholic family you know, Iron Maiden and Ozzy and all that stuff, you know, had to go like in, in hiding, you know, and I could only listen to it when my parents weren't home. And now all of a sudden he's a pop culture icon. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what happened? Did I miss something? Like what? what now he's accepted by the masses where the, the struggle of my youth included listening to his music. Yeah. And I was- you know, Alice Cooper plays golf and, you know, some of some of our guys have become like regular dudes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I just I love think, it. you know, when when you saw David Lee Roth on television, it was like, who is this dude? Like what? Yeah. You know, like what? Yeah. You know, and then their parents would come and turn this idiot off. Turn this guy's an asshole, you know, and you're like, yeah, I, th- <laughs> that's what makes me like him is because he's like that. And I think I think there needs to be more of that because I think. As I've seen with younger people and young kids, you know, when they saw the movie The Dirt, you know, it was like, yes. you know, it was like, was it really like that? Was was it? I'm like, yeah, it was pretty much all like that. You know, it was crazy. And I think and that was edited. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. And, and, and I think kids want to, you know, outside of the, you know, the heroin overdoses and all that stuff. I do think kids want to experience that larger than life appearance and attitude of rock bands and rock stars in the current form. Yeah. Yeah. And I can remember being out here in the eighties and going to the sunset strip. And it was like, we used to have this joke that all the rockers were like vampires. Cause you only really saw them at night. Cause they party all night and sleep all day. But like on the strip, everybody was out passing out their flyers and it didn't matter. You know, I saw certain bands at the time, like poison or warrant or whatever at Gazzari's. But then also there would be like basically every single person who walked by you on the strip looked like, like a full on rock star, you know, and it's like hairspray and spandex and they're like, come to my show on whatever night. And some of them got big and some of them probably didn't, but it was like a party on the street basically, which we've all been to the rainbow together 
And that still kind of has that vibe of like, like a hundred percent party. Yeah, like a street yeah. party, and everybody's like, "You want to go? Who is that guy? I don't know. Maybe he's just my teacher, but he looks pretty cool." <laughs> I still remember coming home from practice one night, and my brother was going to see. I think it was Def Leppard and L.A. Guns, and. Sweet. And I, I get out and I get dropped off. I walk in the house and my parents are like, you know, and all these people are out. All these kids are out, you know, high school kids are out front in the front yard, you know, gathering before the show. And my parents are like, were there any girls out there? And I'm like, I couldn't really tell you know, if there was guys or girls because they all got the same length of hair, you know. And, but that was cool, though. That was that was great. And um, I think there's some great new bands and some great new music, I think, in this year. You know, in 2021, we're really going to see a resurgence of new rock music because I do think the bands sound great. I think they're awesome. And I think Mm -hmm. that because there's going to be so much music because everything was paused in 2020, it's going to surround us. It's going to be we're going to have nowhere to go because rock and roll is going to be everywhere, more so than I think any other genre, because I still think other genres and other artists in those genres were, were releasing music single by single, track by track, during COVID, where mm-hmm. I think a lot of rock bands and artists held on to their music. Mm-hmm. They're just waiting. Yeah. What, to uh, get on the road. what new bands have you guys listened to? What, 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 what's been your experience with that? Oh my gosh. I have a 10 year old. So lately she just wants me to listen to love songs on the coast. She's so anti rock and roll. She's anti everything that I try to make her listen to. She's constantly telling me to turn it down. And I say to her, listen, your middle name is rock and roll. I'm not turning this down. It really is. You need to just her middle name. Give it, give it a minute. But wait, wait, her, her, middle, her middle name is rock, is rock and roll. Yeah, her middle name is Rock and Roll. Wait, hold on. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, literally on her birth certificate, its middle name is Rock and Roll. Yeah, they messed it up, though. I need to go back to the Social Security office because they messed it up. But it, now she's 10. I feel tired. I have to go back. I find that you should be in the Parent Hall of Fame. Doing because... <laughs> well, tell her that because the other day she just said to me, "You know, I don't like a lot of stuff that you like, Mom. I don't even like rock and roll." And I was like, "You shut your mouth." <laughs> you want to be but grounded? What you, yeah. What are you talking about, kid? She but is she's lying. the she's one lying. who comes up with some good topics for us. She was the one who came to us and was like, "Do a punk episode." I'm like, "Oh my God, she's ten. Yeah, let's make sure." Yeah. That well, I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't give up on yeah, her. She's ahead. only ten, so I mean, oh no, you know. trust me, no, there's no giving up. I'm constantly like, Quinny, listen to this. And then she's like, let's listen to this. So she's introducing me to stuff that she likes. And my husband is an old school rocker too. So he's like, how do you know all these songs? But really it's because my kid is listening to the radio like we did all the time in her bedroom. So I couldn't like list any new, new, new stuff that I'm actually like listening to, except for Quinny telling me, listen to this song, listen to this song, you know, but she's 10. I'm like, but Quinny, don't you want to listen to this Rainbow in the Dark? Don't you want to listen to? <laughs> don't you want to listen to Screaming Trees? Don't you want to? I mean, I just like throwing stuff at her all the time. Oh, you know what I am? I just bought. I downloaded the new. Well, it's um, Brandy Carlisle, who's country western, but she did two songs, two Soundgarden songs, which is pretty rad. She covered a couple songs. That that's the last be, thing I bought. Yeah, that seems to be a common thing where where artists from other mm-hmm. genres are. are 
doing covers of rock songs. It seems, I mean, I yeah. know Miley Cyrus yeah. just did that and a few yeah, others. Yeah, those did as are well. good. Mm-hmm. Post Malone is a humongous Nirvana fan, so he did that too. Right. I'm not. I'm not even mad at Miley, who's like hooking up with some of the rock stuff. She did um, a Blondie thing recently, and then now she's doing something with Metallica. And part of me is like, oh no, Miley Cyrus. But the other part is like, I think she's into it. So if she's into it, and she can bring it to more people, mm-hmm. I'm okay. That's a great voice. Yeah. yeah, and that Brandy, those two Soundgarden songs, she didn't change any of the music. The music is 100% Soundgarden. It's just her singing Cornell's vocals. So it's interesting. But I miss him, though. Come on. Yeah. Oh. I, be- <laughs> I-, I become a stubborn, get-off-my-lawn type of dude. I when, am, too. You know, when it comes <laughs> to stuff like that. It's like, I don't buy I don't buy it because it doesn't feel authentic, you know, authentic. And, you know, I just think it's, you know, for album sales and... Do people really converge into a new genre because Miley Cyrus or whoever that artist is plays rock right. music? I mean, maybe temporarily it does, but I don't know if it over the long haul it has any impact, right? Um, I've always thought that we should just continue to, to celebrate rock music, continue to celebrate the ACDC new album or Pearl oh, Jam, yeah. Pearl yeah, yeah, Jam's yeah. last album, or Motley Crue, The Dirt, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the new bands that are coming out, whether it's Greta, Dirty Honey, South of Eden, all these bands, The Struts. Oh, right. um, you know, South of Eden is, is a total jam. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I... I mean, I, I guess there's real... I'm with you. I always get in trouble. Everyone's like, God, you need to like get into the 2000s or whatever, because <laughs> I am... I get stuck on it, but... I don't know. That's what, what got me excited growing up. It's the thing I still love to listen to. If I'm going to like, I mean, it's been a year since I've been to the gym, but if I was on a treadmill, I want to listen to like, you know, heavy metal or speed metal (laughs) makes me run faster. Um, so I just, I don't want to say there's nothing good coming out. That is ignorant, but I would say my preference is for, and also I have a really weird, like throwback feeling when I listen to stuff, you know, where it's like you, we, as you hear on our show, we always talk about where we were or, you know, it, it brings up like, I don't know, for sure during COVID better times. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. No, it does. It does. I mean, it's always about, you know, how music made you feel and how it makes you feel, you know, and Mm -hmm. you know, when you can tap on those, you know, tap into those memories like you guys do, um, I think that's a pretty special thing, and that's what makes music so special. And I just think that, you know, first of all, as, as far as new music goes and new bands, none of us, as hard as it might be to accept, are in the demographic they care about, right? I mean, yeah. we're not the ones. <laughs> we're not the ones that they're. Yeah, I know it's sad. I mean, it breaks my heart too. I mean. Sometimes I got to, you know, I have this thought in my head that, you know, I'm out of the demographic and I start to tear up and um, I have to, you know, get myself back into it. But um, it's the younger generation that really matters. And I I do think, and I've said this, I, I sound like a broken record. I do think because of the pandemic and because kids, you know, predominantly have been sitting at home doing nothing, doing the same thing. Every day, e-learning, not being around their friends like they're like they're used to, not living life like a teenager should. I think mm-hmm. it's causing mm-hmm. a lot of angst and a lot of anger. And 
I oh, think yeah. that's a perfect recipe for rock and roll. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, then go put on a freaking well, we my nephew album. <laughs> yeah, my nephew is 16, and he's constantly pissed off about friends during these times. He's just angry and angsty all the time, and so my husband's always like, get your guitar out, get your guitar out, get your guitar out, go sit down and play, go write something. Mm. So he's, we're constantly pushing my nephew because he does want to play. He wants, he's interested in music, so I'm always like, have you listened to this? Are you listening to this? Are you listening to, you know... I'm constantly bugging him. He's like, yeah, I'm depressed. I'm listening to Tool. Just leave me alone. Like, I'm like, okay, well, you need to keep listening to it. You know, That's so. great. That's so great. That's awesome. But, yeah. 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 Get your guitar out. Go play something. My son does the same thing. I and mean, he practices like three, four hours a day on his guitar. He's just always jamming. Yeah. And it's like, hey, yeah. you know, what, else is, what else is he going to do? You know, like, right. you know, you can't go to your friend's house. Everybody's nervous about having too many kids and or too many people in the right. same room or whatever. And until people yeah. are fully vaccinated, hopefully until people are fully vaccinated, and we don't have these other strains that everybody's talking about, you know, we can't really right. do much. So, yeah, yeah, it's a great time to just get lost in an instrument, get lost in a music. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I when, still love to just crank it up and clean the house, and my kid's always like, it's so loud in here! <laughs> God, I thought I'm the old one in this house. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the 39-year-old in this house, JK. <laughs> oh, I, I, I've been told to turn down my music. Come on, Dad. Yeah. It's a little loud. You're like, yeah, go away. Yeah, I'm like, Go in your room. This is my way, house. The only way to listen to this is loud. Yes. Thank you. That's why we're deaf and our ears are ringing all the time. Mm-hmm. See, what I did with my son is I started him out slowly. It was baby steps. So after the whole <laughs> Lady Gaga debacle, which I, you know, I had to step in, um, I started playing him like Butch Walker, Pete Yorn, you know, stuff like that, you know, singer, songwriter, rock and roll. And then I like mm-hmm. eased him into Zeppelin and stuff like that, right. Motley Crue and all, you know, Metallica. And then I took him to an Iron Maiden concert. I mean, then I took nice. him to a Metallica concert, and then he was just off on his way. It was just, boom, there he was, yeah. there he went. So you got to, like, ease him into it. And I've often told parents who, who tell me, like, oh, you know, my kid, you know, he, he, you know, the mental health of kids and everything is suffering during COVID. I go, have you played Van Halen in your house? Because there's no kid that could be in a bad mood if you play Van Halen. No. There's just, no, there's yeah. just not. You can't, you can't. It's impossible, you know? Yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's impossible. I mean, when your 16-year-old no. kid is here in Hot for Teacher in Panama and running with the devil and whatever else you're playing, how do you, how do you <laughs> stay in a bad mood? Yeah. <laughs> how do you? As, you don't. As far as music goes, I mean, I know you guys talked recently about the 90s and grunge and what that mm-hmm. meant to you. I, I originally was against I, – I really gave a lot of pushback to the grunge era in the beginning. Um, I was not a Nirvana fan. I still am really not a Nirvana fan, but I really, you know, gravitated towards Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. And mm-hmm. over time, Pearl Jam has really grown on me. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, maybe in the beginning I wasn't too crazy about them, but I love them now. But, you know, when you look back at that era, it was the anti rock star. It was the first time that you saw, you know, people be more about the song than about the image. And as, and as much as that era of music was so great, I do think it does have something to do with the lack of rock stars coming out today. Well, 
We were we did two um, podcasts. One was specifically grunge, but then we realized like the '90s were so much more than grunge yes. because you have to also throw in like the Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction and Marilyn Manson and um, Jonathan Davis. Like there was so much happening in the '90s, plus all the other that wasn't as rock and roll. Um, but I feel like that has always been the question: was like, did grunge kill metal or whatever? Or hair metal and I would I remember I lived in Seattle Washington I had lived in LA and I was here during like that hair metal thing and when the strip was really happening it was Troubadour um not on the strip but Gazzari's and um the whiskey and the rainbow and you would just you know go down the strip and see every kind of cool band um then I went to Seattle in the 90s so obviously that was all happening and I remember wanting to come back it was like a holiday. And I was like, I want to go to the rainbow. And people were like, nobody goes to the rainbow anymore. I'm like what? Like, I just want a slice of pizza. Let's just go to the rainbow. And we got there and it was true. It was like, nobody was at the rainbow. And I was like, what is happening? Um, I feel like the nineties, our joke is that they were a little bit of an answer, at least as far as women went. <laughs> what was I saying, you guys, where it was like in the eighties, the ladies were like, do it, Kia. You were like, they're crawling in the 80s in videos. Um, drinking milk and just, you mean like video sluts? Yeah, so video like, girls had to mm-hmm. like, you know, and then in the 90s, the girls were like, I'm going to crawl because I want to. Like, you know, like, not all I have to. Yeah, like whole and mm-hmm. Fiona Apple. And there was more like angsty. Mm-hmm. There was something about the 80s that was a full party and the 90s that was like kind of angsty. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was like grunge specific or just towards the tail end, there became sort of what you're talking about, Jay, like overproduced kinds of bands that I felt like were not authentically hair metal. They look put together. They were, you know, had all the right elements visually, but they weren't as great as like the guitar guys from earlier. Do you know what I mean? And so then it sort of went a whole nother way where Kurt Cobain's like, fuck it, I'm going to put on this lip and a sweater and, that's it. You know, they sort of, I don't know. That's my personal take on it. I think when something goes so far to the extreme, like hair metal, glam metal of the eighties went and into the early nineties, right? Where you have bands that are getting signed because they look pretty instead of how they play. When you have that, when you have that happen, the response is going to be to go the other way just as far. And right. You, that, that's that's what you you know that's what you had with Nirvana and Pearl Jam. You had you know how imagine me like being in junior high in the late '80s and seeing my brother and these girls come over to my brother's house in spandex and everything. Like I can't wait to get to high school and then getting to high school <laughs> and it's flannels and baggy pants the attire that girls are wearing and it's like oh, I miss the greatest era of high school ever and, and it's like I'm just sitting here and like flannels and baggy pants I'm like that's what I got to deal with but um I do think that that um that there is something to that that yeah I mean grunge didn't kill the hair metal or glam metal or rock era of the 80s no. it did it to itself it really did I mean mm-hmm. it became a joke yeah, it does. It, mm-hmm. became, it became a joke, and, and I've mentioned him a couple times in this podcast episode already. Butch Walker. Butch Walker was part of South Gang in the early '90s, and he has said several times in interviews that he's thankful that he was at the tail end of it, where his band mm-hmm. didn't gain enough popularity for people to remember him 
meaning he didn't get pigeonholed mm. into not being mm. able to do what he does now. Yeah. It's interesting perspective. He wasn't an Aquanet yeah. boy. Hmm? I think he was, but I don't think anybody remembered. He just stopped spraying and his hair got long and straight, and then he just became a new 90s. <laughs> That's I'm, what I'm, happened. I'm, he lost the Aquanet and then... I'm he telling you, well, Aquanet, you know, was kind of like brushing your teeth and, and uh, washing your face. Yeah. It was like a necessity. And But mm-hmm. I want all of you ladies to listen to his music. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with I him. Oh, I know who Butch Walker is, okay. yeah. Okay, he's phenomenal. But I didn't know he came from a glam metal band. Like, I didn't know that part of it. I just assumed he started as Butch, Butch Walker with his own music and writing for other people. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, yeah, no, he came from South King. And then his other band, which I still love, is it was a trio called Marvelous Three, and that was in the 90s. And it's okay. an incredible, incredible band. Awesome band. Um, All right. But yeah, check those, check him out. He's, he's one of my favorite artists ever. His music has connected with me as I've, you know, had my journey into adulthood. His music has always has always has the ability to keep connecting with me, which is really cool. Um, Great, but yeah, I, I just think that um, you're you're right. I mean, grunge did not kill you know that era of music at all. It just yeah, they burned know, out. It just was like it became. It's like, also the. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it was also the industry itself, the music industry. Like, I just saw a really good documentary about Bang Tango, and, like, there were a few bands like that that, like, when it was changing from full metal glam rock into whatever the 90s was starting to become, like, a lot of the... um, you know, A&R guys or whatever, the people that were in charge of the sounds or finding the new bands or whatever, they didn't, I don't think they knew what they wanted it to be. And so they were trying to, it was just like a weird time right during the change. And then if it wasn't authentic enough, it was not going to work. And then, you know, like it or not, Nirvana, those guys meant it, you know, that was like what it was or, Mm -hmm. Um, all the Seattle sound, you know, but you could say the same about the Seattle sound. Like towards the end of that, there are some bands you could point to and go, well, those guys are totally just getting on that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. We call mm-hmm. them posers. Yeah, posers. That, that's like a forgotten word, you know? Yeah. That was like the big thing. That's how you judged people back in high school, you know? You know, Let's like bring the, it back. The, yeah, we should. We should. We should have. <laughs> we should have like a quarterly episode called, you know, like something <laughs> something about posers. Oh god! That, <laughs> because like you know, you'd see the kid, you know, at the end of the school year in his like uh, you know Cavaricis and and everything, yeah. you know, and then you uh-huh. know the beginning of the next school year, he's got his flannel and his. You know his torn jeans, and he's listening to like yeah. Soundgarden. You're like total poser, you know. Yeah, total poser. Because next year he's going to be into something else too. He's he's he, right. he's like the wind. He goes the way the wind blows. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's such a great word. It's a forgotten. It's like it's like extinct names, right? Like like I always yeah, have this yeah. thing in my head. Like no one names their kid Richard anymore. Like there's no like young kid like two years old named Richard. I, I don't know oh, yeah. anybody. And then know? they call Dick as a nickname. Yeah. yeah. No Dick. Yeah. 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 
And how come streaking went away? Nobody streaks anymore. That was like the 70s. Like everybody's running across the field naked. Do that. What happened to streaking? <laughs> Didn't someone just do that at the Super Bowl, though? Yeah, Super Bowl, there was a streaker. Yeah. You guys were, okay, posers, streaking. <laughs> when, I named, when we named Quinny, I purposely was like, what? What what rhymes with Quinny? Because I don't want to name like oh diarrhea. If your name rhymes with something, I was like determined to not name my child that. Good job. Well, Nothing really rhymes. I I, I yeah. don't know if we're at the age where we should know a lot of people who streak. You know. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not volunteering, nor do I need to see like my contemporaries. But I'm just saying, like that's a lost art. Because it's because <laughs> and well, a, yes. a good song. <laughs> because at, at, at our age, at our age, gravity really has taken effect on a lot of things, and you know we should be we what? should be fully we should be fully clothed at all times. You know when we're in our forties and, and and beyond. You know it's like you know, in rock t shirts Which, by the way, my rock t shirt today, Jay, is um, a cat house t shirt. Oh shit! What am I wearing? Oh, I'm wearing a Zeph. It's a die Antwood. T-shirt. I'm I'm nice. I'm wearing a vintage white T-shirt. Oh, from Haynes? Is it Haynes? It's a Haynes T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I love it. There you go. So going old school. <laughs> going old school. You I know? love it. Um, yeah. Well, ladies, it's been a blast. It's been a great conversation. We got to do this again because this was a lot of fun. Totally. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, I want to ask you one question. We, we always ask on our show, um, at that, well, we always, but we want to ask you, we do some topics. We'll go like, what was your first concert? What was your first, um, cassette tape, blah, blah, blah. I want to ask you your favorite backstage memory. Ooh. Wow. Um, do you have it? Is that crazy? Did I throw that out there too no, randomly? I, I, that, well, yeah. I you know what? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to think about that. You can ask me when you have me as a guest on your show. Okay. okay. Oh, that's yeah. fair. Let's do that. We'll do we'll do one with you, and we'll ask you because I have tons of questions for you. Oh, like okay. how you got into this and yeah. your guitar playing back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Save absolutely. It, save it, save it. Favorite, right. Yeah, I got to think about that. That's you know, I was completely. I can tell you my favorite childhood memory from a concert. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So I am twelve years old. I'm in seventh grade, and I'm a huge Kiss fan. And Ace yeah. Frehley's album, Frehley's Comet, comes out, and yes. he's playing at the Aragon Ballroom, which is in Chicago, on a Friday I've been night. There. And I'm sleeping over at my buddy's house, and we go to this mall like like a week before and get tickets. And we still don't know how we're getting down to the show because we're 12 years old. But we, <laughs> but, but the tickets were like 15 bucks at the time, and I had paper out, and I think he had, he was cutting lawns or whatever. And so we went to Carson Peary Scott that had a Ticketmaster or Ticketron back in the day. So. Yeah. We, uh, we got the tickets, and we got his brother. This is why we set up the sleepover on a Friday night. We got his brother to take us to the L station in Chicago. Whoa. Oh so it's, I mean, back, you know, Chicago in the 80s is much different than Chicago now, especially oh, yeah. the L. The L, you know. So we yeah. take, so he's telling us, like, okay, you got to get off at this exit. You got to get on the, you know, the brown line or whatever line it was. Oh, no. And then you got to take it to Aragon. So we make it down there. Like, we paid attention. We were... You know, we were kind of like that nervous pay attention. Like, wait, wait, we got to get off now. We got to get off now. So, so 
we started following people with Kish t-shirts and everything. So that helped, you know, navigate us. through. <laughs> so we get to the show and, and it's called the Aragon brawl room back in the day. Cause it was, <clears throat> it, 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 it was a pretty wild and crazy place as Steve Martin once said. And so, so we get into the show and of course we're Catholic school kids and there's three of us and we've got, you know, shorts bermuda shorts on and you know like a like a like a polo shirt you know and we're totally out of our element right we're 12 years old and like there's leather jackets there's mullets there's silicone there's everything everywhere and it's like this is like when we grew up this was like when the innocence of catholic school was zapped away from us forever and there's this haze of smoke of of cigarette and pot smoke in the air so we get in faster pussycat is playing when we walk in ynt yeah. is the next band up and then Great. ace freely comes on and we're just sitting there rocking out and there's joints being passed over our shoulders and <laughs> fights going on and chicks taking their tops off and everything and the show is being played and i remember we got back on the l train to go back and we just all sat in silence just absorbing what just took place in our lives. And we went to school the following Monday and we were never the same after that. We were just never, ever the same. And we were telling our friends about it. And they were like, we were like celebrities. Like they would gather around on the playground. Like, like we were like this, like the celebrity group. And they'd be like, tell us about the concert. What, what happened? Tell us about the girl with the underwear and tell us about the, you know, this and that. And it's like, we had, and of course we'd embellish, like, you know, you caught a fish that was really small, but oh, it was really this big. And, and so it was just, it was just a great moment. And yeah, that was my, my most memorable concert experience as a kid. I love it. What a great lineup to see too for your first concert. Yeah, oh my god. Totally, totally. But Jay, what year was that? That was eighty eight. Eighty eight? Yeah. Eighty eight? Hold on. Perfect. No, 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 no. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Yeah, because I was twelve. Wow. I was twelve. So it was eighty seven because that same week, that, that same week, I forced my grandfather to take me to Rolling Stone Records, which is a record store outside of Chicago, because Ace Freely was signing autographs there. So, oh wow, yeah, I, yeah, eighty-seven was was the year. Nice, so, so awesome. That's a good grandpa. Mm-hmm. He was, Thanks, he was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but no, we mm-hmm. I, I, we got to do it again. Okay, anytime. You'll come yeah. on ours. Absolutely, absolutely. So great. So. Jillian, Leslie, Kia, thanks for doing this. The Chicks Who Love m- Music you. is was just a great episode. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you Jay. Stay safe. All right, everybody. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Media Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. I said you can't hide on
inside All the pain you've ever felt 